I was thinking about just having a prayer meeting tonight, and while I was in the office praying, God gave me something for you. So I'm going to go ahead and start teaching. Nyla Joe, it's so good to have you with us. God bless you. She fixed us a nice supper last night. It was very nice, and we enjoyed it so very much. So if you have your Bibles now, we're going to the book of Acts, chapter 19. I really do have something very special. I know it's Wednesday night, but I have something very special. I want you to hear me. It blew me away as I was praying and talking to God. What the Lord gave me for tonight just blew me away. So I want you to hear and not allow you hearing what the Lord would have you to hear. Acts 19, verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, which by the way, do you know what that's talking about? I looked it up wandering from place to place without a home or a job. That's what that means when it says vagabond Jews. It were, was people who had no roots. That's a side message. I'm not going to go into that too much. Certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And believe it or not, the message that God gave me for tonight is this, the era of special miracles. The era of special miracles. Would you lift your voices and your hands to the Lord, and would you give God some praise? Lord, I love you. I worship you, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood that washes whiter than snow. God, we give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe God is touching you, Sister Wally, tonight. I believe God is touching you tonight healing you completely. And so you may be seated. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul who was the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean that a Jew can't be saved, 
in the dispensation of the Gentiles, because remember, all the first Christians were Jews in this dispensation of the Gentiles. So understand what I'm saying tonight. God did special miracles through Paul, and I want you to notice he is the apostle to the Gentiles, or the apostle to the Gentile era. All at the conversion, at the conversion of Saul, which by the way, Paul is not the name that God changed his name to. Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Gentile name. There was no change of names for Saul. Sometimes we get a little confused with that and we think, well, God changed the name of Saul to Paul. No, Paul's Roman name was Paul. His Hebrew name was Saul. And so God did this extraordinary thing when he touched Saul. And the Bible says about his conversion in Acts chapter 9, it says, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, notice, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? I want you to notice that sometimes in order to get where God wants to bring you, you have to fall down. When Saul fell to the earth, everybody thought, Oh my God, what's happened to Saul? Well, it was something happening, but it was something good. Sometimes, in order to get what we got to get, you have to fall. And I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And you know that as a Pharisee of the Pharisees and as a Hebrew, you know that Saul was speaking in the Hebrew tongue. And you know when he prayed, as any Jew today or any Orthodox Jew would do today, they would pray in the Hebrew or in the Yiddish. And so when he addresses the Lord, he's speaking in Hebrew, and he says, Who are you, Yahweh? The Greek word is kurios, but the Hebrew word is Yahweh. And I can guarantee you that Saul is speaking in the Hebrew tongue. And he says, Who are you, Yahweh? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now we always rejoice about that and that's not the the main point of my message tonight but I did see even something there that I hadn't noticed before he said I am in the Hebrew he was saying this is talking about God he was saying which is the same Hebrew phrase that was said to Moses at the burning bush and I knew he said I am Jesus but I hadn't stopped to think that even before he said the word Jesus, he says, hey, hey, hey. And now Saul, who is a very learned man in the scriptures, knows that this is Almighty God because he says, I am. Or in Hebrew, he says, hey, hey, hey. And then he says, Jesus. Or in the Hebrew, Yeshua. That shocked Saul so bad 
That just shocked him so bad. He was on his way to Damascus with letters in his hand that put these followers of Yeshua, these followers of Jesus. And by the way, don't let anybody tell you that when you get baptized, you have to say, in the name of Yeshua. There are people that will take advantage of anything. I will tell you that God has no language preference. So if I'm in an English-speaking country, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus. If I'm in a Spanish-speaking country, I'm going to say in the el nombre del Jesus. Right? If I'm in Italy, I'm going to say Jesus, I think. No, I didn't say Jesus. I said Jesus. So God doesn't have a language preference. But in the Hebrew... The God of heaven answered this very strict Pharisee, Yeshua. And Saul is on the ground already. And if he hadn't been, he would have been right then. Because it floored him. The name that only Almighty God uses. The name of the I am at the burning bush said, Yeshua. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know, the, the, those spars that they placed behind the animal that's pulling so that if he tried to kick his passenger, he'd hit some very pointed objects and it would hurt. And so that's what God was telling him. He said, you know, you're kicking, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your own leg because you're kicking against the spars that are there. He said, Yeshua, whom you are persecuting, and you're making it tough for yourself. Verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now I find this very interesting. Because Saul arose from the earth when his eyes were opened, but he can't see anything, he's blind. And they led him by the hand, and they brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight. And for three days he didn't eat or drink. He was fasting, he was mourning, he has just found out that the one he's been persecuting is his beloved Ehaye. That was the last thing he ever would have wanted to do. He's had people put to death because of Ehaye being Yeshua. And he is mourning and he's fasting, he's not eating, he's not drinking. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. I find this very intriguing that this particular Ananias is only found one time in the scripture. There are other people by the name of Ananias, but this particular Ananias only has one place that he's ever recorded in the Bible. He's never mentioned again. But what a reward Ananias 
has in heaven. He was not known to a lot of people. But God gave this unknown disciple a vision while he was praying. We don't know that Ananias ever preached. They ever stood behind a pulpit. But there was one thing that Ananias knew how to do. He knew how to pray. And he's praying and talking to God. And while he's praying intensely, God shows him a vision. And Ananias was obedient to God. And the Lord said unto Ananias, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Coming in, put his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I want you to notice that God puts all of his arguments to the side. He says, No, no, no. You just go do what I told you to do. I know it's a little fearful for you right now, but that's all right. I'm with you. I'm going to make it okay. It's going to be just fine. Go thy way. This Saul is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name, notice, before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And so Ananias obeys the Lord. He's not a well-known preacher. He's never mentioned again but he knows how to pray. And his one convert that we know of is the Apostle Paul, who happened to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He probably didn't think he accomplished much in his life. He probably didn't think that he had done very much, but he's the one that was the tool that God used to convert the Apostle Paul. Wow! So, in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been preached to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Notice, we turn to the Gentiles. Verse 47, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles. What? A light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Now, we know that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. I got a couple verses. There's another one where Paul said in 2 Timothy, he said, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So I've gone through great trouble to share with you the fact who the apostle Paul was. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. And Paul, the Bible says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. It came to me tonight as I was preparing for this message 
that really, although you're hearing a lot of bad news and all kinds of fearful things about the pandemic, and, and truly it's, it's scary, I, I advise you just to turn that off for a while. And, and when you hear about the presidential de debate that took place, and it was like two little kids arguing with each other. Oh, I did, I did favor one of them. But it was like a couple kids arguing. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, presidential behavior there on either part. And so you're hearing a lot of stuff. But when I read about what God did through the Apostle Paul, how that special miracles begin to happen, even handkerchiefs and cloths that just touched his body, when they touched somebody else's body, they were healed. And the Bible calls it special miracles. And I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me and say, I want you to tell them that the day of miracles is not over. I want you to tell them not only is it not over, it's just starting. I know you hear a lot of bad things, but I'm going to tell you something real good. And that is that the day of miracles is just starting right now. And I'm going to prove it by the scripture here in just a moment. So you stay in tune because God has got a word for you. The fact that Paul was ordained as an apostle to the Gentiles and was used of God to work, quote, special miracles, unquote, is an indication of what God has in mind for this era where God is visiting visiting the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. So that from Paul's body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, aprons, and diseases parted, departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched them were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Hear what the Spirit is saying tonight. Don't you sit there and go to sleep just yet. Give me just a chance to share with you what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Matthew 20, 16, so the last, Jesus said, shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. At the first miracle, this is important, recorded in Jesus' ministry was the mystery of the water turned to wine. But there's another mystery that the Holy Ghost is going to share with you tonight through the story of the water turned to wine. Watch. John 2, 3, and when they wanted, lacked, and ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. I want to point out to you that it is scriptural, that wine is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. How do I know that? When the people of God were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, they were accused of being drunk on new wine. And Peter did not argue with them. He said, they're not drunk on new wine as you suppose. He didn't deny they were drunken. He said, it's just not as you suppose. It's not like you think it is. 
And Paul agrees with Peter in Ephesians chapter 5, and he says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul compares new wine with the Spirit. New wine in the Scripture many times is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, symbolic of the Holy Ghost. Now keep that in mind. And let's go back to the miracle of the water turned to wine. And let's see a mystery revealed that perhaps we've never seen before. Jesus says to his mother, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother doesn't reply to that. She turns to the servants and she says, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Something's getting ready to happen. This is the, the first, the big, what the Bible calls the beginning of miracles. That's important. And his mother says, whatever he tells you, you do it. That's still good advice. Thank you, Mary. That's really good advice. Whatever he tells you, do it. And Bubba, they did it. There were six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, folks, I never planned this. I'm just telling you, this came to me today while I'm sitting at the desk and praying. And I'm looking at that, and I said, hmm, how much is that in gallons? And it said, 20 gallons. I said, well, that's cool. How many vessels were there? Six. And my mouth dropped open. 120. This is the beginning of miracles. And 120 gallons are put in these Stone vessels. Whew. I don't know if you get it or not. I'm not even going to bother if you didn't. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. No halfway measure. No stopping a quarter or three quarters. He said, fill the water pots with water. And they fill them to the brim. And he says, now draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. And knew not whence it was. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. I don't know if you're getting this or not. It was something, I, I've been in Pentecost all my life, I never saw this. You, you don't know where the Spirit 
ultimately comes from and where it's ultimately going to go. But I'm talking about the beginning of miracles tonight, which is what the Bible calls the water turned to wine. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, oh, the other night something happened to me while I was preaching. I don't know what it was, but I almost fell down up here. But over the corner while my friend was watching the message and he said, something happened to you right there. He said, but you were talking in tongues. I don't even remember what I was doing. I don't know how the Spirit does what it does. I don't know where it comes from and where all it's ultimately going. But hang in there. And now, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And can you imagine? The bridegroom at first turns a little ashen. And he gulps two or three times. And he goes, uh-oh. So embarrassing, we ran out of wine. So embarrassing. Be called the bridegroom. And he says, young man, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou has kept the good wine until now. Young man, it is the custom that the good wine be served first than that which is worse. But you, Mr. Bridegroom, he's talking to the bridegroom, you, Mr. Bridegroom, you've kept the good wine until now. You, Mr. Bridegroom, have saved the best for last. And this was the beginning of miracles, the Bible said. This beginning of miracles was saved for last. Mr. Bridegroom, you've saved the best for last. And the Bible says, for he who will hear it, this is the beginning of miracles. We hold in high regard, and rightly so, those who have worked in the harvest, in the master's vineyard, in all the bygone eras since the day of Pentecost. We didn't get where we are by ourselves. We stand on the shoulders of great men, the apostles and the prophets, and those who have labored throughout the heat of the day. We thank God for our elders. We thank God for our heroes who, who worked for God in the morning hours of the church age and have borne the burden and the heat of the day, their faithfulness and their sacrifices for God and, and for the truth of God's word have brought us to where we are. We thank God for the mighty deliverances and miracles and signs and wonders. I have seen lots of them and you have seen lots of them. 
given to those who have worked in the master's vineyard in the morning and during the heat of the day. We rejoice in all that God has done in our Pentecostal path. We shall always be indebted to the generations of apostolics who have blazed the trail for us and handed us a precious heritage. But hold on to your hat. Tighten your seatbelt. For God has not designed the church to start with a Holy Ghost hop and go out with a weak whimper. God has not designed the church to barely make it to the rapture and just be holding on only a shadow of what it started out to be. The shocked governor of the wedding feast in Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine, spoke prophetically when he exclaimed in John chapter 2 and verse 10, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine unto now. And I will tell you that that coincides and correlates with all the scriptures and with the words of Christ who said, So the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and the first last. Listen, you want to give in to the spirit of panic and fear, you have all the right to do so. I don't think that's what you want. I don't believe all the devil is trying to proclaim right now. I know that there's things going on in our world. I know there's some dangerous things going on. But I also know that God has got his hand upon the church. That God has designed by his own decree that he would save the best for last. Now. It just all was coming together in my head while I was praying and I was writing down, typing down what was coming to me. And I again go back to the fact that it's no coincidence that the apostle Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles and he said, he confessed, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Why is that important? Because Benjamin was the last of the sons of Israel. And when Joseph, who was a type of Christ, gave out the blessings to his brothers, I'm feeling good, and commissioned them to take the good news back to a broken-hearted Jacob that he, Joseph, was alive. No, some of you didn't get it yet, so I'll just repeat it. It's all right. When Joseph, who was a type of Christ, gave out the blessings to his brothers, and he commissioned them to take the good news. See, nobody asks you to carry the bad news. The devil doesn't need a press agent. You don't need to go out and regurgitate all the bad news. 
People are hearing that enough. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear somebody expressing faith. They need to hear somebody saying, you know what, it's going to be all right. They need to hear somebody saying, Jesus Christ has got this. Stop speaking fear and speak faith. Whatever you speak is going to come to pass because God created you in his image and he created everything by the word of his mouth. Wednesday night, I'm supposed to keep a calm demeanor. You have the power in your own voice to have a say in your future. You are not a leaf floating on the waves of the sea carried about wherever the wind and waves blow you. God has given you authority as a child of God that you can speak and say, now hold on. This is where your waters will stop right here. This is where this trial is coming to an end. I declare in the name of Jesus that God is saying to this church, if anybody hears me tonight, that this is the beginning of special miracles. We've always seen miracles, but we are entering into the era of special miracles. How are you going to have a miracle if somebody don't fall down? Saul had to go down to the ground before God could raise him up. You know, I'm telling somebody that things that you have used to ask for and now you stopped asking, it's time to start asking again. Things that you've kind of given up on and said, well, I don't think God's ever going to do that. I'm not talking about asking for things that are out of the will of God. I'm talking about believing God for whatever God wants you to have. And you begin to say, okay, now in the name of Jesus. These are the days of special miracles. If God can take Moses and keep him in perfect health until he's 120, is God any less today than he was then? If God could take Joshua and Caleb and give them the strength that he gave them, and Caleb, as an 80-year-old man, says, give me that mountain. He said, my strength is just as much today as it was when I spied out the land 40 years ago. He said, there's giants up in that mountain, and I want that mountain. Give me that mountain. It belongs to me. And God said, okay, you're going to have it, son. And he gave him Hebron, which would later become a city of priests. Oh, praise God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm about to break out with the hallelujah chorus. Because the good news is that the bad news is wrong. Let me tell you something, chicken little. The sky is not falling. There's no reason for us to walk around just waiting for the last boot. Waiting for the last shoe to drop. And said, oh my God, where's the Antichrist? Who cares where the Antichrist is? He's a loser anyhow. The smallest Christian who is filled with the Holy Ghost has more authority right now than the Antichrist does. His authority can't even start until the church is taken out of here. 
Why is the church walking around feeling like God? We're entering into this great tribulation and oh my God, it's from here on out. It's going to be tough sledding and, and I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not what the Holy Ghost is saying to this preacher. The Holy Ghost is telling me that this is the beginning of a special era of special miracles and signs and wonders and God is going to complete what he started through the Apostle Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, and then the Lord will turn back to the Hebrews again. That's what the Bible says. I just believe the Bible. Oh, boy. It's the only time in the Bible where Egypt becomes a type of heaven. Usually Egypt is a type of sin. But in the one story of Joseph and his brethren, Joseph represents Christ. He said, I got a mansion for each one of you. He said, now, I want you to go tell my brokenhearted dad, which represents the world that's lost its hope. He said, you go tell him that I am alive and I am Lord over Egypt. And he said... Well, one thing I want to tell you, just as you're heading out, you see that you don't fall out along the way. Children, don't you start arguing. We're entering into an era of special miracles. You make sure you don't get into discussions and, and arguments with each other because he said, that's not going to help the mission. You go tell my papa. You go tell Jacob. You go tell Jacob, that brokenhearted man that's been believing that I've been dead for years. You go tell him I'm alive. And I'm both, I, I, I'm Lord, God has made me Lord over Egypt, he said. And remember when the boys get there, they basically say, sit down, Dad. Something we need to tell you. Remember that coat we brought you many years ago? Covered with blood. A coat covered with blood. Hmm. Joseph, see, is a type of Christ. You ever think about that? Even in that bad deal right there, that bloody coat was standing for something. Somebody's taking your place. Daddy, you know, we told you that we led you to believe that your Joseph was dead, but Daddy, he's alive. Hold on. Some of you know this already, but some of you don't. Jacob said, now, don't mess with me. I already had the funeral. We already had the celebration. I've mourned all these years. Don't you start messing with me. You know and I know he's dead. Daddy, he's not dead. He's alive. But what made Jacob believe when the wagons loaded with provision crested the hill. And he said, oh my God, those kind of treasures can only come from a king. These boys must be telling me the truth because this wagon that, that, that my son just sent back to me is loaded down. I mean, the wealth that's inside this wagon and these other vehicles and all this stuff that's been sent back from Egypt, he said, it's inestimable. It is 
you, you can't even put a dollar value on it. And when Jacob saw the miracles, Jacob said, he is alive. And I got news for you. The people of Augusta and the people of Maine, which I am so totally, sincerely believing God for, what is going to make them understand that this indeed is the truth and that Jesus Christ is Lord is when the special miracles begin to happen in front of their eyes. And when they see all the things that belong to God coming from their Joseph, which is our Jesus, they're going to say, Jesus! He is God. Jesus, he is God. The era of special miracles is beginning right now. Still with me? I like this part of it too. In Genesis 45, it says that Joseph to all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. What's that all about? It shall come to pass that in the evening time it shall be light. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Everybody gets saved from Pentecost to now who comes to Christ and is obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to Benji. I'm not just going to give him changes of rain, but I'm giving him five changes of rain, over twice as much as what I gave all the old, older boys. Five changes of raiment and 300 pieces of silver. And I got to thinking, hmm, that's it. Isaiah 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments. There's your changes of raiment. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Well, there you go. There's the garments. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Or how about this one, Isaiah 61, 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, there's one, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And so I've identified, praise God, all who have been saved from Pentecost to now have received changes of garment. They have received garments of salvation. They have received the garment of praise. But to Benjamin, the last of the children of Israel, to Benjamin whom Paul said he was the apostle of the Gentiles and he was from Benjamin, Paul who was the last of the original apostles of the Lamb who was used to pin Holy Scripture... To that, Benjamin, I'm given five changes of raiment. For remember when God was talking in Acts 26, Jesus says, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, 
delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I'm telling you that job has never been completed yet. And now is the time of the end where this job that God assigned to Paul, the son of the tribe of Benjamin, the apostle to the Gentiles, he said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to open their eyes and I'm going to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And they're going to receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. I want to tell somebody tonight, to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. That means that according to all that I've showed you tonight, that we should begin to expect mighty signs and wonders like we've never seen before in all of our lives. Don't you sit back and go into a land to see a coma. You come out of that right now, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't you go to sleep now. You're about to see the greatest miracles that's ever been worked. I wish somebody would, would rise with me right now and say, I'm about to see the greatest miracles that have ever been worked, the greatest revival that's ever been had, the greatest move of the Holy Ghost that's ever taken place. For my God said he's reserved the best for last. And to the youngest child, I'm giving him five changes of raiment. You think those early folks were anointed? Well, why don't you just begin to believe God with me? Because God's got over twice as much anointing for you. I'm going to take this computer and throw it at you. You didn't hear me. I said, God's got twice as much anointing for you. Amen. Read and rejoice with me about the miracles, the handkerchiefs and the cloths that went from Paul's body. Read and rejoice with me about people being healed that were passed by. Peter and his shadow just fell upon them. Read and enjoy with me all these wonderful stories of our heritage. But I'm telling you that God has reserved the best for last. That there are more people to be saved in the days to come than all the days prior. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're not going down, you're going up. So lift your hands with me, you precious people, and wave your hands to the Lord and say, oh, the devil's been lying to me. The best is yet to come. The devil's been lying. It's been fake news. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. The greatest revival is starting now. It's the era of special miracles that God is bringing in now. I wish my brother Larry would have been here tonight because I believe God was going to heal him tonight in this service. But he's not here. But you're here. 
What is it you want God to do? Would God give me a message like this and say, oh, I didn't mean it. I just wanted to get them all excited. No, the era of special miracles is starting now. There's going to be people who are going to walk with God, and they're going to do mighty things. And there's going to be some people who will walk with people who walk with God, and they're not going to do too much. There will be people who are going to be used of God in a mighty way, and there will be people who will be like the sons, the seven sons of Siva, and they'll say, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the devil's going to look at them and say, yeah, you know, I know Paul. I've never heard of you before. You know, it's kind of a, a weird thing to happen, I told some of you, but years ago, Brother Keith, you might have been there, I'm not sure, but we were having a parade. And we jet up at the Water Street uh, fire station up there at the top of the hill, coming down waters, that big long hill there that goes right into Water Street. And, and this man who was demon-possessed came, and he got a hold of our float, and, and he was just, he had an evil spirit about him, and he was going to go down where the biggest crowd was, and he was going to associate himself with our float and with our church. And I felt, no. So I said, sir, take your hand off the float. Nope. Going to ride this bike right next to the float. And I don't know how you remember, remember Brother Henry Bluen. But he could be very emphatic. He heard me say, let go of the float. He watched this man not let go. So he walked over with purposeful strides. I'll never forget, he got one hand on the handlebar. And somehow he got the other hand on the back of the seat. And I saw a determination look come on his face, and I watched him go. <sighs> and I watched that, that bike begin to accelerate down that long hill. And then I saw that man turn his head and say, Ricky, Ricky. My mother on my birth certificate put R-I-C-K-I-E. It's kind of like the boy named Sue. She spelled it the girl way. R-I-C-K-I-E. That's when you see the sign out there. It says, Rick. I just leave the I-E off. <laughs> but that man whom I had never met before knew the name that was on my birth certificate. Ricky! Christ never sent anybody away, Ricky! I don't know what else he said because he was moving so fast I couldn't hear him more. I'm telling you that you are not only known in heaven, you are known in hell. And whatever you command right now, do you hear me? I want you to begin to command it in the name of Jesus. Stop being the victim. You're not the victim. You're the victor. You are 
in that group of people that God said, the last shall be first. What is it that you want God to do? What is it that you need to happen? Now, if you will pray in the will of God right now, you can command it and God will bring it to pass. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, here we are. We enter now with thanksgiving into the era of special miracles. Lord, we're going to see things happen that we've heard about happening in other places. Lord, we're going to see things happen that we've heard about that Missionaries have come home telling stories about the things that they have seen. But God, you are bringing us into the era of special miracles. And now, Father, we believe in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. We reject the spirit of fear. We rebuke the spirit of fear that says it's not going to happen. Devil, you're a liar. We bind you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We bind your spirit of fear. We bind your spirit of worry. We bind your spirit of anxiety. And we bind your spirit of disease and pandemic in the mighty name of Jesus. We are the people of God. We claim the victory. Come on, church. We claim it right now. We claim the victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is this thing working? Hallelujah. Mighty signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost. Miracles and healings, another Pentecost. Saints are crying out to God for the old-time power. Send it down upon us. Send it down this very hour. Oh, mighty signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost. There's miracles, healings, another Pentecost. Saints are crying out to God for this old-time power. Send it down upon us. Send it down this very high. Whoa, mighty signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost. There's miracles and healings, another Pentecost. Now saints are crying out to God for this old-time power. Send it down upon us. Oh, send it down this very high. Somebody want to believe God for a miracle right now. If you've got a miracle that you want God to do, why don't you just make your way down, if you can, down to the front. And let's believe God for it right now. The era of special miracles. That's what the Lord spoke to my heart. Hallelujah. The era of special miracles. And one of the greatest miracles that you're going to see, you want to hear one? I'm going to tell you one that you're going to see. You're going to see lots of prodigal sons and daughters. 
making their way back home. My phone rang today. One of my pastor friends said, Brother Stoops, do you know who this is? I said, yeah, I know who you are. He said, I just wanted to tell you that somebody that came to, uh, to the Lord in a revival you preached 15 or 16 years ago. He said, in that service, God healed this man of a tremendous back injury and they never came back to church. They went to an Anglican church. He said, but I thought you'd like to know that in the last several weeks, that man and woman that had got the Holy Ghost in that revival, they're living for God, coming to church, serving the Lord. Praise God. Well, we've had a great time tonight. I'm more excited about what God told me, really, than anything, that this is the era of special miracles. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of